wants not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Come with me to Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 to 16. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 to 15. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out all through the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was. Somebody say, as his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read as his custom was. As his custom was. A life without custom is not a life that is going somewhere. You need to surround your life. Develop customs around your life. The word custom is the same word for habit. Somebody say habit. And for the past weeks now, we've been exploring habit. Somebody say habit. We said that if you are going to make the most of 2022 and any other year for that matter, you need to develop habit in general. Form great habit. And one of the most important habits you must form is the habit that will make you spiritual. Somebody say spiritual habit. So last week we began exploring. We said among many things that habit can be natural or spiritual. Somebody say natural or spiritual. And habits are acquired. So we are saying that we can cultivate spiritual habits. Spiritual habits can be cultivated. And we see from First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, the Bible says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself unto godliness. Somebody say, I exercise myself, I exercise myself. unto godliness. See, the thing about physical exercise is that when you start and you stop, the effect sometimes is not good. How many of you have seen that? When you start and you stop, sometimes the effect is not good at all. You start jogging and then you stop. If you don't take care, the way your muscles will form again. That's how it is. Spiritual habits are equally the same. I was speaking to somebody who was backsliding and he told me, Pastor, now I, I pray as I'm led by the Spirit of God. He said, I pray when I'm led by the Spirit of God. I said, if that is how your real life has become, it's a sure sign that you are backsliding. It's a sure sign that you are backsliding. Sometimes there are certain statements people make to show that they are spiritual, but it actually connotes that they are actually going down. It's, that, it's like saying that I eat when I just feel like eating, or I'm led to eat. Let's use that word. Charismatics like led. The Spirit of God led me. <laughs> and it's good to be led. It's not a bad thing to be led. But prayer is not something that is supposed to be left to leading. 
Jesus did not pray as he was led. He prayed as a matter of custom. Somebody say, as a matter of custom. Yeah. So if you want to build your spiritual masses, it is one of those disciplines. I want you to come to a place where you believe in the power of habit as much as you believe in the leading of a spirit. Believe in habit. Believe in habit. When you build and develop spiritual habit, it can take you very far. The habit by themselves, without even leading, can take you very, very far. Build the habit of prayer and see where it will take you. And by all means, you won't build the habit of prayer and not be led by the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you see, the person who can be led by the Spirit at any time and he will respond is somebody who has cultivated the discipline of prayer. If you have not developed or cultivated the discipline of prayer, even when the Spirit is prompting you, you may not even be able to catch it. You may be given excuses. But when the thing has become so natural with you, then you begin to move like God will have you move. We saw that Daniel had that weakness. Somebody say, Daniel had that weakness. <laughs> May you have a prayer weakness. That's all he had. He had the prayer weakness. To tell Daniel to be quiet was a weakness. Some of us, to tell you not to eat is a weakness. <laughs> when there's food for you not to eat, even when there's no food, you can't control yourself. Then when food is given to you, you can eat and eat and eat. But may you not eat your destiny away. There was a man by the name of Esau. The Bible said he ate his destiny away. When he ate and finished, he didn't know what he had lost. Look at Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew, now this is where you see that a person has a weakness. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as his custom since early days. Somebody say, when he knew. I would leave you to go read from chapter 6 verse 1 to verse 10 and then get the context. You can even read chapter 5 and get the context of when he knew and what he knew. What Daniel knew, when some of us get to know it, we may not get into a place of prayer. We will just say that the Holy Spirit has spoken. In the next 30 days, I need to go up prayer. After all, the prayer reserves that I have will be answering for me. Daniel didn't say that. The Bible said when he knew that a legislation had been made against the spiritual. Now, that, that tells you a lot about Daniel. It tells you a lot about Daniel. And Daniel is one of the biblical characters that impresses me a lot. Particularly for those of us who are professional people doing all kinds of things and we feel that maybe by reason of what I do and by reason of my profession, I'm so engaged, I'm so occupied. Daniel tells a lot about me. Particularly people who are excelling in their careers and they think it's an endorsement from God. So everything is okay with them. Daniel had a habit. And I believe that it was a spiritual habit that influenced his natural life. Because by and large, a man's spiritual life will influence his natural life. Yeah. Every man's spiritual habit will influence your natural life. Daniel knew that the document had been signed. In the next 30 days, he shouldn't speak to God. Daniel said, then you have to kill me. I'm already caught in the trap. He went into a place, and that's when you know the power of habit. Habit is such that when it takes a hold of you, it can enslave you. It can what? Habit can enslave you. Habit can enslave you. For good or for bad, it can enslave you. You can't break free from it. 
You can't break. When you develop the discipline of prayer, when you don't pray, you don't feel okay. When you have not prayed, an hour or 30 minutes, you don't feel okay. Now listen, if you go through the day without spending time in prayer and you are okay, you don't have a prayer life. You don't have a prayer life. You feel okay. You don't feel like anything is missing in your life. The day is very normal. It doesn't look like something is amiss somewhere. It shows that spiritually you are not alive. You may have a name, like it was said, that you have a name that you live, but you are dead. And I pray that in this season you will come alive. Somebody say, I'm alive. So we started by looking at 16 uncommon spiritual habits. Somebody say 16 uncommon spiritual habits. And I'm not really not going to uh, do, be able to do all at a go. We'll just touch on some of them and then we'll move on. 16 uncommon spiritual habits. And the foremost of them is prayer. Somebody say prayer. Prayer is the foremost spiritual habit. Every Christian must develop spiritual habit. Prayer, 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 prayer. Jesus came praying. The early church was a praying church. And you are called to be a praying Christian. Somebody say, I'm a, I'm a praying Christian. Yeah. You can be in a church where we have a scheduled time where we meet to pray. But you yourself, you don't have a prayer life. And I don't want to pastor a group of Christians who don't have a prayer life on their own. The spiritual Christian is not the one who takes consolation from corporate prayer. But the spiritual Christian is the one who has a spiritual personal altar of prayer. Amen? That is a believer. A believer is one who can charge up himself by himself. Look at this. We talked about three important things about spiritual habits. Number one, spiritual habits makes you a strong Christian. Somebody say spiritual habits. Makes me a strong Christian. The 16 habits we are going to talk about, if you are going to be a genuine, solid Christian, you need to cultivate and develop these habits. One is spiritual habits. Number one, spiritual habits makes you what? a strong Christian. If you are going to be a strong Christian, you need to be a Christian and be one who is born out of habit. Somebody say habit. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Be strong. You cannot be weak in Christ. You have to be strong. Somebody say, I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the power of his might. You have to be strong in the Lord. A strong Christian can stand when crisis hit him. You know, the Bible says that whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will like him who built his house upon a rock. He says, the storms came, the wind came, and he stood still. Why? Because the foundation was strong. A strong Christian is not the one who does not go through anything, but who goes through stuff and survives. You will survive. You will survive the winds of life. You will survive the floods of life. Somebody say, I'm a survivor. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, he said, Thou therefore be strong in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be strong. Be strong. Too many Christians are weak. They are weak. Prayer lives are weak because we are not Christians by habit. Our word life is weak because we are not Christians by habit. So, any little challenge moves you. If you are that Christian, you are not strong. The Bible said the time you know you are strong is when crisis comes. Somebody say when crisis comes. Yeah, that's when you know you are strong. You are not strong by talking, I'm strong. I'm strong. Be bold. Be strong for the Lord thy God is with you. There's a song like that. Be bold, be bold, be strong for the Lord thy God is with you. Well, when you are bold and you are strong, when crisis come, let us see. 
The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, he said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So the test of your strength is the adversity you can survive. The Bible said, through the fairness of affliction, he has refined me. You will come out stronger and better. Number two, we said spiritual habit makes you a victorious Christian. How many of us know that we are born for victory? Defeat is not part of your life. You will never be defeated. Shout, I'm never defeated. And if you are not going to be defeated, you need to be a strong Christian. Makes you victorious. You have an enemy, whether you like it or not. The Bible said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And then again, in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, he said, be strong. Why must you be strong? Because there's war going on. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You have an enemy who is hunting you down, whether you like it or not. That's why you need to take your place. You are not supposed to be defeated. Praise the Lord. All through the book of Revelations, the rewards are only reserved for those who overcome. To him that overcome it. To him that overcome it. To him that overcome. He said, everyone that is born of God is born to overcome. You will overcome. Whatever you are dealing with, I declare to you, you are an overcomer. Spiritual habit makes you a fruitful Christian. A fruitful Christian. In the book of John chapter 15 verse 16, he said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you that you go forth and bring forth fruit. God wants you to be fruitful and it takes spiritual habit. And the foremost habit that will make you a victorious Christian, will make you a strong Christian, will make you a fruitful Christian is the habit of prayer. Somebody say the habit of prayer. You need, to, you need it. The habit of prayer. The habit of prayer. The habit of prayer. The habit of prayer. Both Old and New Testament emphasize clearly that prayer is not supposed to be an occasional thing. Prayer is supposed to be part and parcel of your life as a Christian. When Jesus was teaching, he talked about three things. He said, when you pray, when you fast, and when you give, those three things are things that we are supposed to do habitually. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, he said, pray without what? Pray without what? That means pray habitually, simple terms. Pray habitually. Pray without ceasing means pray habitually. Luke chapter 18 verse 1. He says, and he gave a parable to this and saying, men ought to always pray and not faint. There is nothing you can do always if it's not a habit. What you do always is what is a habit. We saw that Daniel prayed always. So when they made a legislation that was going to restrict him from praying, he could not survive it. He could not survive it. There were people, when the lockdown came, there were people who were enjoying their home life. But there were others who were itching to come into the house of God. Why? Those are the people who come into church is a habit. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Never stop praying, the New Living Translation says. And then, the message version said, pray all the time. Somebody say, pray all the time. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. He said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. 
Praying always, praying always, praying always. You go into scripture again and again. There is no restriction to the time of prayer. There is no, in the New Testament, it's amazing. There's no restriction to the time of prayer. There's no restriction to the place of prayer. Prayer can be said every time and prayer can be said anywhere. Why? Because prayer at the very core of it is conversation with your father. And your father loves to hear your voice anytime, any day. Prayer, you see, when you reduce prayer to receiving things from God, or presenting your petitions before God, and then you begin to feel that if you have a need in your life, then you come to God in prayer. But when you understand that prayer in the basic definition has to do with communication with your father, and if the relationship is good, any relationship that is good thrives on solid communication. When a marriage is working, there's communication. When business relationships are working, there's communication. Any time... Can't you see that when you are not flowing with someone, when you are not on good terms with the person, then the person becomes a person you don't call very often. When you see that you are becoming distant from a person, evaluated by the, the frequency at which you communicate with such people. Any relationship that is dying begins with communication. When the communication is going down, then it means that the life of the relationship is going out. Because the lifeline of every relationship is communication, including our relationship with God. God wants to hear your voice. You can't claim you're a Christian and you wake up and you just jump out of bed and your business is normal, everything is normal. You are not talking to God and you're just running and say you have a relationship. You don't have a relationship. Live with your wife like that. Wake up one week, don't talk to her. And see whether you'll be comfortable at home. She'll be giving you some word gestures. Praise the Lord. Because that is how the relationship is built. So if you don't have a prayer life, the Christian life, your Christian life really is questionable. It's questionable. And I want to walk you through 10 examples of people who prayed habitually. 10 examples of people. They prayed what? Habitually. Old and new. They prayed habitually. And as I communicate, the grace of God to pray habitually is coming upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Habitually. Habitually. What I'm teaching has to do with personal prayer. I'm not talking about corporate prayer. I'm not talking about joining some people on radio and praying some die by fire prayers. No. I'm talking about communicating with God by yourself on a regular basis. Because a Christian is not somebody whose relationship with God is mediated by another human being. A Christian is one who has direct access to the Father and can reach out to the Father without any intermediary. There is one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. And through him, we have access to God. So you and I have unlimited access. There are people who actually pay. I'm told there are people who pay others to pray on their behalf. They can buy Milo and give some prophet, pray for me. Whatever the Holy Ghost uh, tells you, come and tell me. If you live your life like that, people will tell you things that will make you miserable. Because we live in times where people can tell you things that will perpetually make you their slave. They tell you, do this, go and bring this, then you go and, go and bring this, you go and bring it. A man bought a car and he wasn't able to drive it because they told him, listen, if you sit in this car and drive it, you are going to die. Yeah, you are going to die. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> God has given me the grace and the money to be able to buy it. I will sit in it and die after I bought it. No, no, no. I'm not one of the, I will sit in it and die. Ten people who prayed habitually. Number one, prophet Samuel. Somebody say prophet Samuel. Now, this man was a wild prophet. 
a very wild prophet. One of the most excellent prophets in the Old Testament is Samuel. Because according to scripture, a prophet is the one who speaks and it comes to pass. And when it comes to Samuel, the Bible says, all through his reign as a prophet, not a single word from his mouth fell to the ground without fulfillment. In our time, you see, many prophets, they say, and say, uh, you say, now prophet, it doesn't mean that, then they say quickly. <laughs> it doesn't mean that every prophet, that a prophet speaks come to pass. Well, when the prophet has a certain level of commitment to God, when he speaks, because he will not speak of himself. In the book of Deuteronomy, talks about, he said, when a man speaks a word and it does not come to pass, he has spoken presumptuously. God has not spoken to him. When God speaks to you, it must come to pass. Am I communicating here? If truly you had God, it must come to pass. If it didn't come to pass, God did not speak. The Bible said not a single word from his mouth fell to the ground without fulfillment. That was a sure mark of a prophet. And he had the habit of praying always. He considered it a sin not to pray. Look at that. And I pray that you live here with the sin consciousness. You only think about sin when you think about fornication, eh? Yeah, when you think about stealing. When you don't pray, you have declared independence on God. And that is the worst form of sin anybody can do. You are saying that, Lord, I can do it today. I can do today without you. I can go through this week without you. I have it sorted out. My vehicle, my movement, everything is sorted out. I really don't need your matter in my business. Everything is okay. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct. He didn't say some of your ways. He didn't say in your major ways. He didn't say in your major decision. In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you acknowledge God in every bit of your ways, you are communicating that my trust, my confidence is in God, not in my strategy, not in my skill, not in my connections. I pray that we'll come to that place. Moreover, as for me, first Samuel, look at that. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Moreover, as for me, he said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. He said, far be it from that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. That's how he saw it. You know, the Bible said, the fool had no regard for God. Is that not what the Bible says? Yeah. And then again, he says in the book of Psalms, I think Psalm 10, 3. He said, the proud, in the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. He doesn't seek after God. And the reason why he's not seeking after God is because he's proud. He's full of himself. He knows he can find his way around. So he doesn't seek after God. When you are not praying, you are saying that, Lord, really, my business is not your business. But that is changing for you tonight. Job chapter 1, verse 1 and 4. Job prayed habitually. Job's sons used to take turns giving a feast. I'm reading from the Good News Version, yeah. To which all the others will come and they always invited their three sisters to join them. The morning after each feast, Job will get up early and offer sacrifices for each of his children in the morning to purify them. He always did this because he thought that one of them might have sinned by insulting God unintentionally. Under the Old Testament, when we talk about sacrifices, it, most of the time it came with prayer. It came with prayer. At the time of the evening sacrifice, Elisha called on God and he came. Came with prayer. The man used to pray every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. And every time he presented his children before God. Every time. Habitually. That's Job. Look at King David. 
That is one of the most wonderful Bible characters. David said in Psalm 55, verse 16 to 17. So we have looked at the man Samuel, we've looked at Job. Now David. David said, As for me, I will call upon God. As for me, I what? In other words, as for you, can do whatever you want to do. But as for me, I will call upon God. Then he said, And the Lord will save me. He said, Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Morning and evening and noon will I pray. I will cry aloud, he shall hear my voice. He shall hear my voice. He shall hear my voice. As for me, I will call upon the Lord. If you hear David, a man after God's own heart, that's how he became a man after God's own heart. He wasn't talking to God once in every two months, once in every two weeks. Once, uh, no. He said, I will call upon God. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry. That's what Daniel was also doing. He said three times. He prayed three times and gave thanks to God three times. The Jews had an established culture of praying three times. You know the Muslims, if you want to see habitual prayer, we can learn it from our Muslim brothers. Habitual prayer. It's a habit. So when they are even working for you, they must take break to go and do that. That's a habit. You have to factor it in into their... Uh, I was dealing with some Muslims guys uh, yesterday. Uh, when I met them, uh, I asked them where they were. They said, we went to pray. They said, we went to pray. I said, we went to pray. Now, you see, they believe in their prayers. Can you imagine if we believe in our prayers and we prayed habitually like that? The Bible said, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous make it tremendous power available, dynamic at its working. So, if your prayer makes power available and this prayer becomes perpetual, continuous, can you imagine where your life will be? Most of us are looking for answers to certain situations. I want you to know that answers are not with anybody. They are not with any prophet anywhere. The answers are with God. And if you will learn to come with him, if you will learn to stay with him, it shall be delivered to you. It shall be delivered to you. Of course, we talked about Daniel earlier, so I don't have to deliver it. But there's one woman in the New Testament, in the Gospels in particular. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 37. Luke 6, 37. I think it was probably from her inspiration that Paul was also speaking about widows, and he was talking about what widows should be doing. This woman became a widow very early, married, and became a widow at a very short interval. And I believe sometimes when people lose their husbands, uh, only God can tell some of the things that they go through. Other people begin to curse God. They develop all kinds of hardness towards God, but not so with this woman. She lived with her husband for a very short time, and the man departed. And then she began to give herself to prayer. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Anua, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. Look at that. Now, you see, the length of years she married and the length of years she lived is why I'm saying that she lived for a very short time with her husband. She was a widow of about four score and four years. That's 84 years. Which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and what? Fastings and prayers night and what? Fastings and prayers night and day. That's what she did. That was her own service to God. Fastings and prayers night and day. Habitually. Habitually. That's habitual. Fastings and prayers night and day. Fasting. Go to the book of uh, First Timothy chapter 5. 
verse 11 downwards, Paul was talking about how widows should behave. And he said that if any be a widow and is under 60 years, that widow should not. He said the younger widows refuse. Let's start from verse 9. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years. Here he was talking about how people in the church, welfare should be handled. Then he says, let those who are people who are responsible, let them take care of their own. Then he says, widows should be taken care of. And it's, it has always been part of the church. You remember at the early church, they started by taking care of widows. The reason why there was confusion at the early church in Acts chapter 6 had to do with meeting the needs of widows. Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. So Paul is given the criteria for selecting widows that should be assisted in church. So even assistance in church is not given to anybody in church. Yeah. That people come to church and all they come with cap in arms, they are coming to seek help from the church. But the Bible said the resources of the church should not just be used to help anybody. Even when we are helping widows, there's a criteria. Look at that. It says, if you are going to help a widow, number one, she should not be under 60 years. If she's under 60 years, don't count her in. But if she's 60 years and above, that is the first qualification. <laughs> number two, <laughs> verse 10, please. He says, and the widow should be well reported of what? Good works. Not some Nyama nyama person. Good works. She must be well reported of good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has, those are some of the good works she's outlining there. He says, if she has lodged children, and if she has diligently followed every good work. Wow. <laughs> now go to verse 11. Look at this. He said, but the younger widows, somebody say the younger widows. The younger widows, he said, refuse. In other words, don't admit them in. For when they have begun to was one thing against Christ, they will marry. He said, when their hormones begin to become stimulated and activated, they will go ahead and look for somebody and they will break their vow that they took to serve God. So don't bring them in. Once they are under 60, they are sexually too active to be captured as widows. So leave them. Let them find somebody and marry. Now go to verse number 12. Having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. Talking about their vow. Without, they learn not to be idle. Wandering about from house to house. He says, when you take younger widows, these are the things that will happen. They will be idle because they are young and they have energy. They will be wandering from house to house. Moving helter scatter. And then he says, but tatless also and busy body speaking things which they ought not to speak. It's amazing what idle women can do and talk. When a woman is idle, hey, you have problem. You have problem. Look at verse number. I would therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, giving an occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some already turned aside after Satan, having condemnation. If any man believe it, let them relieve them and let not the church be charged that they may relieve them that are widows indeed. Go back to verse 14 for me. Good. I would therefore that the younger widows marry, bear children, guard the house, giving an occasion to the adversary to pray. There was a part he was talking about the fact that the widows should be uh, serving, fasting, and praying. That, that same context. That's what the widows should be doing. And that's what Anna was doing. Anna used to be given to prayer. Not just moving up and down and making gossips. Prayer, of course. Number six is Jesus himself. Jesus. The Bible says, Mark chapter 1 verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Somebody say a great while before day. 
a great while before day, Jesus rose up and he departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. One greatest enemy of habitual prayer is to lie on your bed early in the morning to pray. <laughs> when the sleep is nice, don't lie on the bed. There is a certain posture. If you tempt Satan, he will overcome you quickly. In, And that is lying on your bed when you are tired and you want to pray. No. The Bible said, and Jesus early in the morning. In fact, morning prayers on the bed usually don't work well. <laughs> they don't work well. It says, early in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. Somebody say, he went out. Yeah. Oh, Papa, I don't have any big place. Went, go out. He went out. Go to your toilet. Sit on it. Yeah. If you can master the art of sitting there and sleeping, that is over to you. But wherever you can have privacy, the Bible says he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. Somebody say there he prayed. He found a place and he prayed. Jesus prayed habitually. It came to pass. Luke chapter 6 verse 12. The Bible says it came to pass that he was praying and he continued all night to God in prayer. All night. Somebody say all night. Yeah. This year, may you receive the grace for all night prayer. There is a certain challenge that sometimes when it comes on your life, you can't even sleep. All night he was praying. All night he was praying. Now listen, Jesus was about to make a decision and he committed to all night prayers. Can you imagine that? After the all night prayer, even the decision he was making, he still chose somebody he shouldn't have chosen. Yeah. Look at verse 13. Okay, now, he said, now, he who is a widow indeed and left alone, trust in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. That's the scripture I was looking for. Prayers night and day. A genuine widow is the one that must be supported. Is the one who continues in prayer night and day. Praying for church members, praying for church leaders, night and day. <laughs> yeah, but let's go back and continue with our matter with Jesus. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12. And then in the morning, he chose disciples. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Yes, he continued all night to prayer in God. Verse 13. And when it was there, he called unto him his 12 disciples. <laughs> Leaders must never be chosen without commitment to prayer. Commitment, serious commitment to prayer. He chose them. And out of him, he chose two of whom also he named apostles. Out of the twelve was Judas. Now, imagine that Jesus had not prayed all night. It's possible that all the twelve would have been Judas. Yeah. When he prayed all night, as a God man on earth, he still chose Judas. If he had not prayed, and you, a man has come to propose, I love you, I want to marry you, it has never been a subject of prayer. All you are thinking about, Aquanational, hey, why you're dusted. Hey, your wedding party, you're going to honeymoon, you're going to Hawaii. You're going to win, you're Sit up and pray. Sit up and pray. Sit up and pray. He prayed all night just to respond and to choose people to work with. You see? It was Dr. Mike Murdoch who said that when wrong people leave your life, wrong things stop happening. When wrong people leave your life. When God gets ready to bless you, he will use people. When Satan wants to destroy you, he also use people. That's why the connections around your life must be prayer infused. 
Nobody should be admitted into your intimate circle without much prayer. Are you getting what I'm teaching tonight? Jesus was given to prayer. He prayed. He prayed habitually. In his incarnate life, he prayed habitually. In his exalted life, he's still praying. The Bible said he ever lived to make intercession. He prayed as man and he prayed as God, now seated far above principalities and powers. Now imagine, the one who is seated far above principalities and powers is still interceding. And you just confess, we are seated far above principalities. Whether we pray or not, we are in charge. It's true. But they will disturb you also. Yeah. You are in charge. And you see, I told you last week that prayer is not your power. I don't believe in the, in the cliche that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. I told you last week I don't believe in it. How many of you remember? I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. Because your power is not in your prayer life. Your power actually is in your position. Somebody say my position. Yeah. President Kufuado doesn't need to pray before he's powerful. Because he's the president of Ghana, he's powerful. Any command he gives must work because he's the president of Ghana. So he needs to operate from the consciousness that he's the president of Ghana. Now, because you are a child of God and whatsoever is born of God overcomes, you are powerful. Praise the Lord. That, that's where you should come from. Now, prayer becomes a tool for exercising your authority. So when you have the power, but when you don't pray, you are not able to exercise it. Am I communicating here? That's what prayer does. So prayer is a means for exercising, releasing your power and releasing your authority. Your real power comes from where you are in Christ. Am I communicating here? You need to pray. At all times, Jesus prayed habitually. Every time. Every time. Every time. When he was selecting his disciples, he prayed. When he was being baptized, you know, when he was beginning his ministry at the baptism of John, everybody went there. He was the only person who was praying. Manifestations happened. When he hanged on the cross, now look, his ministry began at the baptism of Jordan when he was introduced. His ministry ended on the cross. He started praying at the pool of Jordan and then he ended praying on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know all what they do. The man lived a prayer life. When he entered into heaven, he still prayed. You are sitting on earth say you are not praying. <laughs> I don't know what you are doing. May the grace to live a prayerful life come upon you. What of the early church? Jesus told them, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. And then they went shouting, we are receiving power, we are receiving power. The Bible said, as soon as that, that command came, all of them met together. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 12. In verse 8 to 9, they have been promised that power is going to come upon them. Then they returned unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Verse number when they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode all the names that are there. Go to verse 14. That's where my interest. All these all continue with one accord in what? They continue with one accord in what? Now, this was where the ministry, the early church was about to be born. And it was born in prayer. They stayed in prayer hot, hot. The Holy Ghost came to meet them in prayer and they continued in prayer. The Bible said they continue in the book of Acts. When the Holy Ghost was fully come, the prayer dimension went into another uh, dimension. So they, they prayed to receive the Holy Ghost. And after the Holy Ghost came, he empowered them to live habitually as prayer people. In the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 41 and 42, the Bible said, Then they gladly received the word, were with one accord. 
they that were baptized, and the same they were added unto them, 3,000 souls. 42, he says, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking bread, and in prayers. Somebody say prayers. Say prayers. Prayers. Uh-huh. prayers. I'll be teaching you what habitual prayer looks like. Now, I'm just showing you what habitual prayer. When we say somebody has a habit of prayer, how does a person look like? Maybe next week or so, I will teach you. So that you will know and I will help you to learn how to practically develop the habit of prayer. Look at this. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. The Bible said, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Somebody say the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour, they went to the temple at the hour of prayer. It becomes your default response. Now, when prayer becomes your habit, eh, it becomes your default response to the challenges of life. If you want to know whether prayer is your habit or not, check how you respond to the challenges of life. When they give you a bad news, how you respond. When they give you a good news, how you respond. Your default response to the various issues of life is an indication of your prayer life. When prayer becomes your habit, it becomes your default response to the challenges of life. Somebody say, my default response. In the book of James, he said, is any man afflicted? Let him put it on Facebook. I'm contemplating on suicide. Things are tough. I don't know what to do anymore. No, that's not. He said, is any man afflicted? Let him pray. Let him what? Let him pray. Be careful for nothing. Is that not what the Bible says? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, in every circumstance, you respond with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. In the book of 1 Peter 5, 7, say, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, let's look at practically how the early church responded to challenges. Every time, again and again, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 to 33, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken. When they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place was shaken, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. When they had prayed, when they had prayed, what happened that they prayed? We see that from Acts chapter 4, verse 16 to 24, quickly. Saying, what shall we do to this man? For that indeed a notable miracle had been done, but them is manifest unto all them that were in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But that is spread no further among the people. Let us really threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them together and commanded them they speak or teach. You know, but Peter and John answered and said, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you or to God, judge ye. So when they had threatened them, verse 21, when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorify God for that which was done. For the man above whom the thing was done was 40 years. That is what they responded. The Bible said, when this happened, and they gave them the command, and they went. All they went to do was to pray. Somebody say pray. Pray. This generation of Christians, we know how to use placards against government. Our placards is prayer. Is what? Oh. And the church is not supporting political activists. We are not supporting. That is not our support. Our support is to pray for leaders. Our support is to pay our taxes. Our support is to be loyal citizens. Am I communicating? That's it. That's our responsibility. Not picking placards. Placards. Lazy people carry placards. Lazy people. When Peter was arrested, how did they respond? Placards. Release Peter for us. Peter is our chief apostle. You can't kill Peter. No. If they had done that, Peter would have been gone. 
they went into prayer and an invisible angel's being was released to go loose Peter from where he was. I don't know whatever it is that belongs to you that has been caged or arrested. But as you stir up the spirit of prayer, everything that is due you that has been arrested, Peter was a pillar in the early church. If they had killed Peter, the foundation of the early church would have shaken to the core. They stood in prayer and he was released. Satan cannot take that which is yours when you stand in the place of prayer. Am I communicating it? He cannot take that which is yours when you stand. The Bible says, a strong man cannot enter the house of another man and take away his goods, except, first of all, he binds him. How will Satan bind you? By binding your prayer life. Letting you sleep. You set the alarm, it rings, then you press snooze. You set the alarm, is, you ring. that's how Satan, oh, that's how Satan. You remember how he bound uh, uh, something now? Something. <laughs> he put the head there. The, the bind my bind there. He said, oh, that's not it, you know. Shake himself and strength was there. You snooze. You press snooze. You wake up and there's a little strength and you think it's okay. You better get up and begin to pray. Somebody say an amen. amen. Number eight is the early apostles. The early apostles. You realize that when Jesus sent the apostles to go and preach, they were very successful. How many of you remember? They were very successful. The Bible said they went and they came. They said demons were subject to us through your name. And he said rejoice not. But when Jesus took them to pray, they failed woefully. In fact, he didn't take all of them. He just chose the best of them. Because prayer is a difficult job. Many people can succeed at preaching, but they are failing at praying. And the preaching that will bring transformation is the preaching that is born and birthed in prayer. Because really, no man has the natural oratory to change another person. It takes words inspired by the Holy Ghost to bring conviction and transformation. When Peter spoke, the Bible said that they were convicted by those who heard him. Somebody say an amen. amen. Jesus took them to go and pray. They failed. They failed. The failure of all the disciples was born out of their prayer failure. They failed because they all failed to pray. When Jesus was going, the rest of them stayed behind. He took Peter. He said, could you not watch with me for one hour? And for every hour when he returned, they were sleeping. Every hour when he returned, when he finished, he said, the prince of this world is coming. Then he told them, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. And the temptation they were to watch and pray. You remember how Peter later on spoke? He says, the end of all things is at hand. Be careful and therefore watch unto prayer. Watch unto prayer. He had learned his lesson. That's why in the early church, in the book of Acts chapter 6, verse 1, when they were confronted with food matters, they say, no, we have failed at this test before. An exam you have failed before, when you are going to meet it again, you don't joke. He said, we are not going to make this matter a less matter. We are going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. That's how they were powerful. That's how they were able to sustain their power. Number nine is Apostle Paul. Time is up, but I close. Apostle Paul, he said, I cease not to give thanks. Somebody say, I cease not to give thanks. I cease not to give thanks. I mention you always, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. For this reason, amplified version, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, other people. I do not cease to give thanks to God, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray, verse 17, for I always pray to God. Somebody say, I always pray to God. Now, 
may you become a church member who is like Epiphras. And I pray that God will raise more Epiphras in this house. Look at Epiphras. Colossians 4 verse 12 to 13. Epiphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends you greetings. He always, somebody say he always. He always prays earnestly for you. Are you earnestly praying for people or you are earnestly gossiping about people? Because it's the same thing. That you are using your mouth to pray for people or you are using your mouth to gossip about people. Which one do you do? And this girl cried, when will she deliver? She has been married for too long. When was the last time you lifted a matter before God and it was a matter of priority and intercession? Am I communicating to somebody at all? Epiphras, the Bible says Epiphras. He says, always prays for you, asking God to make you strong, perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. Can you imagine that? A member, an ordinary member of the church, this was his business, praying for fellow members. May Embassy of Life become a church where we pray for one another. The Bible says in the book of James, pray one for another. One for another. One for another. Stand on your feet as I close. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no.